Race matters. 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 I'd like to acknowledge that we are broadcasting on unceded Gadigal land. This land has been in the hands of generations of Gadigal custodians for thousands of years before us, and it will continue to be in their hands for a long time after us. This is a meeting place for sharing knowledge and stories and song, and we are privileged to be part of that storytelling today and every day here at FBI Radio. I pay my respects to Gadigal elders past and present. We're broadcasting from Redfern right now. Redfern is the birthplace of black theatre in this country and a site for resistance and resilience for First Nations peoples. You're listening to Race Matters. This is a show made by people of colour, speaking with people of colour about the ways we understand and value our racial identities. I'm Darren Lasagas. And I'm Sada Khan. Happy Daylight Savings Week. Oh, I'm wrecked. (laughs) The first week into losing an hour of sleep. Look, it's a good sacrifice. The fact that I can leave the office and it's still sunlight out mm. is a blessing. It does have like a... Like, yeah, it's a hard week coming out of it <laughs> and losing that one hour. But I also feel like it's a good... Like, I was, I'm happy to make the compromise because to have more hours in the day, more sunlight, particularly when we're in our third Lenina, is... It feels um, like a worthwhile sacrifice like I'm like yeah okay I can get through like the next week of feeling dead inside and like I'm constantly hung over when I'm not yeah if it means that I'm gonna get more daylight in the day daylight in the day yeah it's wild that because we know it comes every year and yet mm. no one is prepared <laughs> I know I was at um Cory knockout last weekend and oh my god by the way first Cory knockout in three years oh that break was I don't ever want to go through that I don't want to have to go through three years of a of a of a separation between the last knockout and the next because last weekend was so necessary. But I remember on the Sunday, everyone was walking around. I ran into a few people and I was like, "How are you feeling?" And they're like, oh, "I didn't even go out last night. I didn't even do the most, and I feel like I've been hit by a bus." I was like, "Yeah, because we've lost an hour of sleep." And I was like, oh, like everyone genuinely forgot about daylight savings. I don't know what that is, but <laughs> it's just like all of the trauma of the last three years just rolled into one. And we were in lockdown this time last year as well. So it's like this is, I guess, the first long week, like proper long weekend since before the pandemic mm. that we've just come out of last week. Yeah, it's a wild time. Mm. And um, as you mentioned, La Nina, she's back. I hope you've been keeping dry and safe Mm. and safeguarding your homes in a way that works for you. Um, Yeah, this station here in uh, Redfern, not flood prone or leak prone, but we get through it. We get through it. (laughs) You've had a rough time in the station this year. La Nina's not been kind to the station. (laughs) And yet, here we are. Yeah. Yeah, look, it's... um, I can't believe we're at the last four months. Four months? Don't say that. Is it four Don't months say left? That. Yeah. Three months. I had to count it in my <laughs> head. I was counting. <laughs> it's been a... It's been a a year that I don't know if I've emotionally kept up with. Like, I'm in such two minds about this year. I don't feel like I've even 
had time to process mm. the last, what, 10 months? Yeah. So, but we want to kind of take it um, into a bit more of a, I guess, lightish space. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what, better, what better time to, to take a breather? Um, well, today. I mean, I feel like I've been struggling to feel really kind of centered lately. I, I've, the more I talk to people as well, that kind of seems to be common feeling. Um, and I feel like it'll be really good to kind of have a chat about why we do the things that we do, whether it be in the arts or right here on this medium right now with radio and just kind of thinking of our, our why. I mean, we consume so much creative content all the time it, and I feel like we are in such an era of binge mm. with, and there's such an um, overload of content, whether it be on your streaming services or on your social media. You, it is easy to forget to find that centre and remember your why, remember why we love our art, remember what art does for us, how does it fill up our cup. So it might be good, I think, today for us to kind of recenter and think about that. Mm. And I want to talk about a movie that I watched recently at Pink Flamingos um, uh, at Mothership in um, Marrickville. Mm. Great space for watching film because it's so well curated. But they put on this film called Young Soul Rebels by Isaac Julian, which was made in 1991. And I really wanted to talk about it because it really left an impression on me in a way that not many things generally have left an impression on me in the most recent history of my life. Um, but basically, it's set in 1977 in London, um, in the summer of 1977, as the nation celebrates the Queen's Silver Jubilee, which is 25 years on the throne. Um, they pre-programmed this long before we knew what happened to our dear lady, but um, it was very funny to be watching it <laughs> yeah, yeah, in yeah. the cinema, considering the state of affairs. And, um, yeah, the streets are starting to get adorned with, you know, bunting and... Um, bunting? You know what bunting is? You know those flags? Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Union Jacks everywhere. Yeah. And in amongst all of this, you know, this is the late 70s. It's such a pertinent time for, like, subculture. It was mm. such a, like, present um, and visual and aesthetic thing to be a part of or to be projecting as part of your identity. So a lot of the movie is um, circling around um, these young soul boys, but their interactions with punks and skinheads yeah. as they all come into this quote-unquote, oh, I hate this word, I don't know why I'm saying this, melting pot um, <laughs> in London. <laughs> Sounds like so it feels like melting pot sounds like the the slogan and the tagline for insight whenever I hear it. Oh, that yeah, insight, yeah. SBS the melting pot in, the melting of Australia, pot of Australia has changed. <laughs> um but no, this is London in the nineteen seventies. Truly it was. It was a melting yeah. pot. No. Um but um so to bring it back, it the, the, the story starts with um uh, a gay young black man being murdered on the beat. And um, the fallout of that and what happens when uh, a community around that deals and reckons with that sort of violence. Um, obviously, the police are involved. Don't need to say any more than that, other than that no one's interests are with the police um, and they're being uh, wanting to pin this murder on multiple people within the community. Um, but then there's also blowback from, like, um, immigrants from the West Indies who... Um, tout homophobia mm. and um, there's tensions between um, you know black people within those communities and then you have skinheads uh, like an overlay of like whiteness and white supremacy um, um, upon the situation as well 
but the core of the movie is this friendship between these two young soul boys and they have a pirate radio show um, which they broadcast from uh, their friend's garage and they want to make it big in the club scene they're DJs and they dig for vinyl they agonize over their selections and they broadcast to they don't know who mm. the, pack, the fact that they're broadcasting at all is enough for them and you know it reminds just you know as someone who makes radio as someone who's yeah. had radio being part of my life for a long like my entire adult life it was such a like sweet moment of like you know this is making radio as an act of joy as an act of resistance as an act of defiance and for a lot of the time that's enough but other times it's not enough yep. and you know there's a, I, I won't say too much about the movie because i highly recommend you watch it there's a moment where that's taken away from them and they have to reckon with what's left and what does it look like to look outwards to your, you know, your brothers, your family, your community, the, the, the family that you choose? How do you cross those subcultural, cultural, racial, class boundaries to find connection? Oh, my God. This movie is literally <laughs> speaking. Like, every, the way you're describing it, it is my current state of mind. So, yeah, I won't, yeah, go too much more into it. But it just made me think in so many ways um, the reasons why we do what we do Mm -hmm. and it's such a beautiful snapshot of what is clearly um a lived experience of isaac julian yeah um because yeah it was made in the 90s set in the late 70s but um you can feel the authenticity in the dialogue in the music is so vivid Mm. the costuming is all right i mean I wasn't alive then, but it felt right. But um, so when the so it's set in nineteen seventies, yeah. but it was released in the nineties, nineteen ninety one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's all these layers of like, it's made in the nineties, but it's um about uh you know a different decade, and now we're watching it in twenty twenty two, just um reflecting upon what it means to like create a story or create a movie like this now. Like, I just feel like you wouldn't see a movie like this being made now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we spoke about this earlier in the show about, um, you know, what, and this is a huge conversation, but like, what is like issues focus art? What, you know, is art issues focused? And it's like, you know, if we're creating now, you could speak more to this than I can, Sarah, like when we're writing, when we're creating, what are we doing it for? You know, is it inherently about something? Does it have to make a statement? Does it Mm. have to be reflective of a wider cultural phenomenon? Or is it just that without us having to do that? And there's so many floating circumstances and like pressures and and um, influences coming at us like unconsciously, Mm. which in you know force us to interrogate why we're doing the things that we're doing. Like, are we doing it to validate our own existence to an industry and to a wider society that sees us as like less? Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, and what does that shift as well from having your identity really um, policed to now it being heavily fetishized? Mm. Um, how do you kind of present yourself in that way as well? I would love to talk more about this and how we kind of as how we as um, coloured people, as queer people, find our way back to mm. our why in this kind of, like, over-consumption era that we're currently in. Mm. Um, so we're going to chat about that more in a moment. But first, a song. You're listening yeah. to... What are we listening oh, to? Oh, sorry. I just jumped in. I was so excited to play this song. Yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine with all the soundtrack is so good. So let's take a track from the soundtrack from Young Soul Rebels. This is the OJ's A Message in Our Music.
That's the OJ's message in our music, uh, a highlight off the Young Soul Rebels original soundtrack, a film that we're talking about right now or jumping off off right now that was made in 1991 by Isaac Julian, but based in 1977 as uh, punks and soul boys and skinheads come together or don't come together as the nation celebrates the Queen's Silver Jubilee. Such an incredible film. I highly recommend you watch it. Hmm. But yeah, it's bringing up conversations of... What is what is like making a movie like this look like today, or making art like this look like today? And like you know, sorry, you could speak to to what this kind of you know thought process could could look like as an art maker. Yeah, totally. I mean, I feel with my writing in particular, this is something that I've always tried to. It's so funny. I found writings of mine from when I was like nineteen, twenty years old, and then writings that and then like how I write now, and I felt quite validated when I found it. Because I was like, cool, I've not, I, I, you know, the biggest thing as artists as well is that we don't ever want to feel like we're going to compromise our artist why, like our reasons why for the industry that does, you know, pay us to make the art that we want to make. And I felt a little bit validated when I read my writings because I was like, it's, it's so child, it's so childish, <laughs> like it's so naive. But at the same time, the tone of it and the ideas were exactly the same. And the way I entered, um, my creative outlet was the same as how I enter my creative outlet now. Um, be it, it was also very, I would never ever read it to the world because it's so cringe. (laughs) 
But in terms of, you know, that entry and exit point of your outlet, it still kind of functioned the same. And for me, when I write, um, it's always, the trigger for me is always in my my emotional um, well-being. It's always what I'm emotionally, what feels so emotionally overwhelming for me. And then I run off of that. And then, like, I don't ever, I'm not, I don't know how some writers do this and I really, really envy them, but some writers just dream plot in their head. They just come up with plot and then they just really run from that and I can't, I struggle with plot. Um, it's so hard for me to find plot first. So I have to, I run off emotion first when I go into my into my um, writings. But there is this, there is this pressure, there is this like looming presence when you write now or when you make art now of, not a care, but like you, you are, it, you can't say that you're not thinking about how people online are going to respond. You can't say that you're not thinking about how this is going to be co-opted into something else, how this is going to turn into, um, you know, a, a topic or be a Twitter thread, a Twitter thread or be chastised for being woke mm. as well. And so you steer away from making anything that sounds like a teachable moment or sounds like you're making like, you know, you don't want to make heavy statements in your art because you're trying to, you, you, you are concerned with how, um, the social, how social media responds to whatever it is that you're trying to make. And so and there is like that kind of there is that feeling in the industry as well like i feel like in this, the industry right now goes between either trying to um they're terrified of being cancelled but they're also terrified of being told that they're too woke it's two two separate ends of the spectrum right and so what ends up happening is i don't really feel like we're getting art anymore that's like what you just talked about young soul rebels where it's um, coming from an authentic experience. It's coming from a lived experience. There is a lot of art that's being made that, uh, not art, I guess, but I guess in terms of film and television, it does feel quite performative sometimes mm. with the stuff that you watch. And it feels like people are trying to say things in a way that's like, I'm the first one to say it. I'm the first one to, you know, come up with this thought. And it's like, but these ideas have existed forever. And are we listening to one another and how we make these ideas happen? Like I just watched Don't Worry Darling last week. <laughs> this is Darren's favourite thing to talk about. <laughs> I haven't even seen it. I love talking I about even it. Seen it, but I did watch Don't Worry, Darling, and not to give anything away. But um, <laughs> and I think a few of the reviews have been saying this as well about the film that like it's a good film in a sense, but it's not saying anything that we don't haven't already seen or don't already know. I went to an event recently as well that was around feminism, and I just walked away from it being like it's nothing's being said here that I don't I don't already know. Like there's nothing that's I don't know. And I wonder if that's also us being numb to like this binge era of art mm. that we're sitting in. It's all, it's like, you know, you can binge all this content at once and then you can go online and see everyone's opinions of it immediately. And like, I do that. It's like, I'll watch something and then I'll immediately go onto Twitter and be like, what did everyone else think? Mm. And are they thinking the same thing as me? And then it's like, well, where in that space are we coming back to an original thought? Or where in that space are we coming back to kind of what I'm trying to always manage in my own creative outlet, which is that that raw emotional feeling that drives whatever story comes next from from that 
original feeling, from that original emotion. Um, and you know, when you see art, like I guess Young Soul Rebels, it is that it's like a, it's like, oh man, like how did this art function then to now, and can we get it back to that type of play? Like I don't, I don't ever want to go back to the '90s because it was a dangerous time mm. for so many people. Um, you want to constantly be driving forward, but I guess you want to drive forward in a way where it's not like your identity isn't becoming heavily co-opted mm. for capitalist purposes. Does that make sense? No, totally. But like, it's just sad. Like, that's just the nature. You know, if you're creating at a certain level and, you know, if you're wanting to do it for money or if you're wanting to do it as a career, you have to play the game and you have to... Um, co-opt in yourself like yeah. elements of what's happening externally around you if you want to be successful but then you know define success yeah you know redefine what i guess i'm not telling i'm not giving advice i'm not <laughs> I feel like I'm giving, you should redefine success for you <laughs> you know find what what makes sense for you yeah. but no seriously like i think about this to myself as well like in the way that i just be or like you know interact with people or consume or you know make radio or make you yeah. know anything beyond that who am i doing it for like yes i'm doing it for others I'm doing it for me but like what's the balance of like what's that how far does that circle go like I'm doing it for me I'm doing it for the people I love I'm doing it for people I know I'm doing it for people I don't know Mm. I'm doing it for people who they know and then it's like you have to draw the line oh totally you have to draw the line I mean like I because you know I'm a part of the Heartbreak High team and with that drop like I've never been attached to something so big so global and that kind of level of noise is is too much um that was the first that was it was very that was a very first experience a first new experience for me when heartbreak high dropped and how um yeah that immediate response and being a part of something in that social like being a part of something big in the social media era um that a lot of people find themselves connecting to on multiple different levels, but then a lot of people not understanding. Like we had a lot of, I knew this was going to happen as well, which was, you know, we were putting indigeneity up onto a global platform for the first, for the first, in a, in a way that was like so immediately consumable, right? In a pop culture sense. So our indigeneity was like put in, in a YA young adult format as well. So I knew that the rest of the world was going to look at us and tell us that we weren't black. Mm. I knew that they're going to look at the character of Malachi and say, how is he black? How is Sherry black? They don't, you know, because the rest of the world is incredibly stuck in time when it comes to viewing in up indigenous blackness here. They have literally zero understanding of it. Like it really went to show, goes to show that like how the rest of the world views this country is white first. And then we are like probably not even a part of the um, conversation or a part of any thinking. It's just like probably still they think of us as in the past. It's a like the rest of the world is stuck in time of their um, perspective towards us. And I knew that was going to happen. And obviously there was a lot of issues with um, a lot of people online because, you know, apparently black people only exist in the States. Um, And it was this weird, it was such a hard thing to like, to disengage from as well, because you're also having people sit there and say like, for number one, you're not black. And number two, police brutality. I don't believe that police brutality happens to you. 
So it was also a denial of our blackness and a denial of our trauma, <laughs> a denial of systemic violence from people that you don't know all across the world. And it's like, you know, this it's it's this thing of like, I want to make art and these are my identities, but am I prepared for the rest of the world to tell me that my, like to invalidate my identity? Mm, it's invalidate so, ha- my... so hard not to internalize that stuff. It's so hard. And it's so hard to disengage from mm. your phones and from social media. Um, and it does really disrupt um and corrupt your why. Like I want to. I just like when all of that was happening, I knew it was going to happen, but I still was not ready for you it. You can't prep for that. You can't. And I honestly, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't. I don't even know if I want to be a part of this anymore. Um, in terms of just the industry, I was it just. It really made me think about a lot of things. Um, and it's had to. And so what? Like it dropped about a month ago now, and now I'm like trying to go back to my why again. That's why I find it so great that you've brought up this film, Young Soul Rebels. I really feel like it's something that I need to go and watch. I feel let's like, watch it together. Let's watch it together. I think like um, we really all want to be able to make art that's true and authentic to us and our emotions. Um, and I think like just based on our own identities and where the communities that we come from, the lived experiences that we come from, everything that we make will probably be statement heavy. <laughs> True. I don't think that's hard. To, I don't think that's... And there's nothing wrong with and that. And there's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but, yeah, I think in terms of, like, moving forward, the biggest thing is that, like, like I think what you're talking about with Young Soul Rebels as well, of like when they have their radio station taken from them. Like a big thing that I've been thinking about as well, I'm like, okay, take all of this, like take my art away from me. What am I? Mm. Don't ask that. No. It's daylight but savings. I- <laughs> <laughs> but I think this is a good question to ask, right? Yeah. Because like, this is something that I've been thinking about as well. Like I've seen a lot of friends of mine too that are, black and brown queer people leave the industry because they felt like the industry corrupted their why corrupted all of it. And it was like, you know, this fear of like becoming your whole identity. And you're like, well, what is my community away from? Like who was, what is, what, how do I exist away from this outlet of mine, this need of mine that I have um, to make? Um, I think uh, we were talking about before, like this, like even if you do make something really grand and really great, um, there's this expectation to capitalise off of that. And we're talking about Michaela Cole. She just did her Vogue piece and she was saying exactly that. Like after I may destroy you, everyone was like, you have a window to, you have a window to bank now, like bank on it, like capitalise. And she went, no. And she said she went to Iceland (laughs) instead and looked up like the top 20 most prettiest locations in Iceland and just went and travelled. And she was like, I'll make when I'm ready. Um, yeah, so I think it's really important when, cause like, you know, art can be really great. It can feel really fulfilling, particularly if it's res Cause you, you always want your art to resonate with people as well. So when people come back and tell you, like, I, I saw what you were trying to do and thank you. Oh, the way your cup mm. is full with that moment, you're just like, oh my god! Like that's like a part of my why as well. Like it's a, it can be really an, a beautifully overwhelming feeling when that happens. Um, but then when it's twisted and turned into something else, it it really can detach you from, I guess, that feeling in your gut that drives whatever story you want to make. Uh, one of the um, one of the people from teams from Heart, people from Heartbreak High did tell me when it came out, he said he made a really good point to me of like, 
um, when you make and it's released, there's this thing that you have to tell yourself that it doesn't belong to you anymore. Like you make art, but like at the same time, like once it's out there, it's not yours. Mm. So that's something you have to also come to terms with <laughs> of like, okay, like I did just this pers- deeply personal thing that I've just poured out onto the page or poured out into whatever medium, whatever medium it is. And now once it's out, it's like, okay, that came from me, but it's not mine. Like, no, no, no. Like it is mine, but it's not mine anymore. It belongs to everybody else and how they want to interpret it. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's such a big question. Like, why do I do what I do? Why do I do radio? Mm. Why do I, why do I like watching films like this? I would say I got, I went into this film with little to no expectation. I know, I knew for a fact that a good friend of mine, Marcus Well, it's one of his favorite movies of all time. So I had that. But beyond that, I didn't really know what it was about. I didn't really know what to expect. But I, um, I came out of it. Um, feeling so held and seen. And, you know, people say this all the time, you know, I felt seen by this movie. I felt held by this movie. But more so now, I think, considering the specific context with which I watched it, I was with my partner. This is a film you can't really find online unless you dig really deeply. You know, Film Club, RAP Film Club in um, Darling uh, Hurst. It was booked. It was like hide every week. Back to back, mm. people were waiting for this movie. Um, so I feel like it, it doesn't have the like the mass knowing and, and following that I think it deserves. Anyway, yeah. that's besides the point. Um, I won't go too much into it, but recently I was a victim of a homophobic assault. And that is so pertinent, the feeling of like injustice and invisibility. And um, on the, on the uh, opposite side, community care and like um and solidarity in this film and to see it play out in front of me decades before um you know it happening to me Mm. now both so sad and tragic but also the idea that that kind of stuff is forever it's always existed i find it now and i'm seeing it in this film reflected in these people that i'll never meet i never knew who existed fictionally in this in the 1970s existed for Isaac Julian in 1991 when he made this movie and he knew exactly what he was doing when he put these people in this situation Um, and so feeling that um, not even a positive feeling just a feeling of like um, existence like that 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 even exists Mm -hmm. was enough for me Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that you know in in anything that I do or will do I'll be able to create that but that I can acknowledge that is yeah. enough for me. I, I think that's so beautiful what you just said because it's within your own art, within your own why, your unpacking of it, but then, like, what you're living off of the page, away from the art, like I was saying before, like, what is, you know, your, like the lived experiences you're actually living and then, like, the, the horrific nature of some of those experiences because of your own your pure because of your actual existence right and how you actually just present to the world it can be incredibly isolating 
it feels it can be feel like such a lonely thing right and so when you have I guess like just thinking just um coming off of what you're saying there of like you seeing a film like Young Soul Rebels that is incredibly validating it can just be like just that that little fill up of your cup or that little beat to just like give you a moment of like okay it's not incredible it's not like um I'm in the deep depths of this all by myself. Mm. And I guess that is a little bit of like the 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 why. That's the why. <laughs> yeah. That's why. Yeah. A hundred percent. I love that. I think that's a really great point to wrap this really big topic on. I think there's so much, so many more areas we can go into mm. on whys. And I'm sure everybody has their thoughts on this as well. And we'd, we'd love to hear um, everyone's thoughts on their, their whys as well um but yeah what you just said then i think is just like a really beautiful beautiful um cherry on top of it on top of a really big topic (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for listening uh this is race matters you can find all episodes of our show at fbiradio.com slash race matters we'll see you soon bye race matters race matters race matters race matters race matters race matters race matters